Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. It really is good to be with you. Uh, it's, I believe God has something for us. Do you believe that about our God, that he might have something for you this morning? Are you ready to receive it? Even if it's one of those really simple truths that you've known forever, but by the grace of God, he like allows you to know it so much so that it changes how you walk out where you're suddenly less self-conscious of yourself and more aware of his presence and then want to do his will. Yeah? No? Because I'm up for that, but we need God for that, so I'm going to pray, not because I should, but because I can. Because <laughs> the speaker should come up. She should open God's word, which we will, um, and then she should pray. I'm going to pray because I want to, beg God for this truth that I believe I've prepared to speak to your soul. Uh, my, my life metaphor, and this is why it matters so deeply to me, is that of a cup. Um, I've loved loving people my entire life in Long Beach. How cool. And uh, I remember like growing up loving people and I'd splash love on people, my parents, and I'd splash love on my parents and I went to a local high school and I'd splash love on my teachers, my friends, and then I got a job and I'd splash love on my coworkers because God calls me to. And then um, I got married <laughs> and I'd, you know, love on him. And then I got a little nugget-sized kid and I started loving him and I recognized when I had the kid <laughs> that uh, I had developed a really unhealthy habit. Not the loving part, that's good. <laughs> but the like loving piece, but then holding out my empty cup in the direction of people to be filled up by their opinions of me. That was the problem. And maybe you've been there. Whether you have a spouse maybe, how you are is dependent upon how they are, their thoughts or words towards you, or maybe your kids. It's true, I believe it was uh, Theodore Roosevelt who said comparison is the thief of all joy. My goodness, my prayer, and why we must pray, because we're talking, we're gonna continue our uh, series through Ephesians, and we're gonna talk about parents, our relationship with them, and there's no bigger time that people have emphasized your relationship with their parents in order to understand yourself, yes? And it matters, because next to God, our relationship with our parents actually has affected us more than anything ever will or ever could. So, my prayer, and what I want us to pray, you to pray, is to take your cup away from the direction of your parents, your kids, your spouse, or your longing for a spouse, or your job, or anything else that you've tilted your cup in that direction, to take your cup, tilt it upward the way a cup was designed to sit. <laughs> so that, as Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter three, you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, and then watch this, you just overflow as a byproduct. Which means, <laughs> get excited, it means this. I'll talk to you women specifically. <clears throat> oh, I am one. So it means you can walk into rooms like this and not fear what people are thinking of you. That's possible. You can just overflow that which they need because they're thirsty for grace. They're thirsty for love. They're first thirsty for all the things that God wants to give you in abundance. So are you ready to receive this morning? Perfect. Then would you extend your hands because I know you do this at the garden and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, our perfect Father. And as I'm immediately, God, I'm immediately thinking about my earthly Father who I think about the times that he celebrates my successes 
and he mourns in the things I mourn over. And God, you are that to a perfect degree. So right now, whether we're in a season of celebration or in a time of mourning, would we talk to you in the quietness of our spirit? You are perfect. Teach us how to glorify you in the imperfect family that we're a part of. Teach us. And then overflow through us. And all God's children said, amen. I'm gonna start with some bad news and some good news. Which one do you wanna hear first? Perfect, bad news. All right, so bad news. Every single parent <laughs> is imperfect. <laughs> Bless you. She's imperfect. <laughs> Every single one. In fact, do me a favor. <clears throat> Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Oh, some decided not to do it. That's fine. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. We'll just do it again. So, neighbor, I am so glad. Oh, it's louder. Good. Last one. Neighbor, I am so glad that you're as messed up as I am. <laughs> hey, welcome to church. I get it. They look like they have it together. They don't. And they need him just as much as you. And they actually don't need you. They need him. So we got to learn how to overflow him. So bad news. Every parent is imperfect. Whether you are one, hope to be one, every single one is. I have really good news. You want to know the good news? <laughs> Someone's like, please. Okay, perfect. For you. Good news is that God is in the habit of using very imperfect families for his glory. He's in the habit of doing that. Do you want to know what God might be up to in your imperfect family? It might just be you. Come on. So we have to learn how does God want to glorify himself as we are all children, but we're also, some of us, parents. So let's turn to continue our series in the book of Ephesians uh, to Ephesians chapter six. Turn with me in your Bibles. And as we're turning there, uh, we can know a little bit about the context of Ephesians. You've been in it for a while, but just a little background on who wrote it. Paul, a guy who used to hate Christians, encounters Jesus, and then goes on to write a majority of the New Testament, <laughs> including the book of Ephesians. You know what that reminds me? That reminds me that God can do whatever he wants with whomever he wants, whenever he wants to do it. <laughs> that means we should never stop praying. Who have you counted out that God hasn't? Is there a name, by the way? Write down that name. Commit to pray. God can do it. So Paul's the guy that writes this letter to the Ephesians and he writes it in a very specific way and you guys have been going through this but Ephesians chapters one, two, and three talk about who you are in Christ. Chapters four, five, and six talk about therefore live like it. This is who you are. Chapters four, five, and six live like it. Specifically the part that we're at now in our series is on the topic of in our families and it says this in chapter six, verses one through four, read this. Children, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up 
in the training and in the instruction of the Lord. So how do we first glorify God as a child? Well, first we have to understand the context. So like I said, the context of the scripture, Ephesians chapters one, two, and three talk about who you are in Christ. In Christ is a term that I had heard my entire life, and it was one of those things I agreed with, but I never really dug deep to understand what it meant. You are great in Christ, you are loved in Christ. What does in Christ mean? And it wasn't until my late 20s that I truly understood what this cross has to do, not just for my sins, but also for my life and my identity. So on the cross, maybe you've heard the scripture, it says this, the wages of sin is? But what does it mean? The wages of sin, what you earn, and we have all sinned, so what we earned is death. You see, because in order to be in a perfect relationship with the perfect God, you have to be perfect. Do you know this? But we all fell short, and the wages of that is death, not just physical death, inevitably we will all die, but also spiritual death, a separation from God. That's what we earn. But in order to be in a perfect relationship with the perfect God, you have to be perfect. And guess who's the only one who lives up to the perfect standard? Exactly, God himself, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus walked this earth, lived a perfect life, therefore earning the perfect relationship with the Father. Here's what I understood when I was young. I understood that Jesus died on that cross for my sins, you see, because what I earned is death. Jesus took that which I earned. Here's something that I missed out that I wish I would have known in my early, early, early teens. I wish I would have known that not only did he take that which, that which I deserved, he gives me by grace through faith that which he deserved. That is how Paul looks at you in Ephesians chapters one, two, and three and says, you are pure. If you look at your past, <laughs> That may not be a word you've ever used to define yourself. Blameless. In Christ, you are forgiven. You are the dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. How is that possible? It's not by what you've done, and it's also not by what you could achieve. You see, Jesus already accomplished the thing that you're running after. You can stop running to achieve what he has already accomplished. Why? Because in Christ, he gifts those who have put their faith in Jesus. If that's you, then I can confidently look at you and say, and I want you to receive this, you are forgiven in Christ. So this is how Paul writes this book, is he says, hey, this is true of you. You're forgiven. You are blameless. You are the dwelling place in which God lives by spirit. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. And then four, five, six, live like it. In the same way, I got married on 12, 11, 10. Made it easy to remember. <laughs> For him. <laughs> and on that day, I was suddenly a wife. Whoa. But I had 27 years of singleness, single habits, if you will. But that was true of me. In the same way that you all, you know that you're loved. That is true of you. You are loved by a perfect heavenly father who, guess what, loves you perfectly. Celebrates your victories, wants to have time with you, wants to commune with you. But it's gonna be an ongoing journey of walking and living like you're loved. You see, so we can understand how do we honor. So God uses our broken families to honor and glorify him. How do we glorify him? Well, it gives it very explicitly. For children, it says, verse one, children, obey your parents. 
And obedience matters, because have you noticed, uh, most people in Long Beach are pretty okay, you might be surprised by this, but it's true, most people in Long Beach are pretty okay with most aspects of Christianity. Watch, meditation, cool. (laughs) Deep conversations about the meaning of life, why yes please. (laughs) It's interesting everybody's okay with most aspects of Christianity until it comes to this very topic, obedience to authority. That's why our society has to look different. We actually have to value authority. We have to understand God-given authority and submit. You see, this, this section falls in the midst of the what past couple weeks that you guys have been talking with, submission coming under the authority of. You see, God has to be our authority. Where do you run to for advice? So as children, we're called to obey, but then as suddenly as you get into adulthood, it looks a little bit differently. In fact, it says this, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise. Basically, it made the list of one of the 10. Don't kill, got it. Don't put any other God before him, got it. Don't take the Lord's name in vain, of course not. Honor your parents, what? (laughs) And there's no little clauses or footnotes that say, except if they've, isn't that interesting, it's one of the 10. But you have to understand context, you see, because this is one big story. And let me give you the context to the commandments. Remember the children of Israel, they were in slavery. And I believe some of us have lived years in slavery, whether it's the slavery of the opinions of other people. You been there? So God frees them from slavery. See, a lot of people look at Christianity and they go, it's all about rules. That's all you guys do, it's all about rules. No, 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 let me tell you the context. They were enslaved. They're freed and they go, I don't even know how to live free. And he goes, great, here's here's the commandments. This is how you live free. In the same way he's giving these honor your parents. Do you wanna know how to live free? It looks like honor in a culture that just values the young. It looks like honor in a culture that says it's trying to look more youthful. It says honor them in a culture that doesn't ask the elderly for wisdom because we just Google search our questions. That means if you want to know how to honor those that have gone ahead of us, maybe you don't have earthly parents, but I I tell you what, this is the church body, and I believe we have spiritual parents in this room. How do you honor them? Well, first, receive honor so you can overflow honor. And that's the good news of this book is the context of Ephesians goes, before I tell you to do anything, just know that you're loved. So you can honor people not to be loved back, but because you already are. So number one, receive honor. And then secondly, as a child to glorify God, overflow honor. And I believe it starts with forgiveness. Your parents missed it. So do you. I think we all miss it. And I don't know what forgiveness looks like. I don't know what's gone on in your family. But I love about church is that it starts here and the conversation continues out these doors. That could be a very rich conversation at lunchtime if you want to follow the commandment of our God who says you want to live free, because if not, you're going to continue being a slave to your bitterness. And that is exhausting. And that's not God's new society as he paints in the book of Ephesians. So first, receive honor. Receive value, that's another one. Respect, you already have it because of the cross and then overflow it maybe with forgiveness. Secondly, And this is how I've been challenged following the life of Jesus the past couple months in the New Testament is through this, asking questions. If you want to know how to value your parents, it's this, ask questions. It sounds so simple, but I promise you, the next time you need, you have a question, rather than Google searching it, send a text. 
shoot a phone call. How do I know that it looks like Jesus? Here's why. Because Jesus was asked 183 questions. He only answered three of them directly. Do you know this about Jesus? He asked 307. I did the math. It took a while. <laughs> You're welcome. Jesus, who had the answer to everything, seemed way more interested in relationship than giving everything that he had. The answers. He just wanted to engage in relationship, and I promise you that's probably what your parents want as well. It's probably what they need. That's probably why he commanded it. Ask questions, and then also after you ask, here's even the harder part, specifically for those of you who are glued to your phones. It's this, listen. Because when you listen, you learn how to love. One thing that we practically do in our home, me and my husband, and we do with our little two-year-old son, is this, we just ask, what's the high of the day? What's the low of the day? And then how'd you see God that day? Love the question. And it's a very simple thing, put it in your home, high of the day. What, what brought you delight, low of the day? What hurts you? How you saw God that day, I love it. Once you ask that for a week, I promise you day eight, people are looking for him throughout the day. Ask questions, and then secondly, make sure you listen to the answers. And by the way, ladies, this one's for you. <clears throat> You're welcome. Men, we'll get to you, we'll get to you. Ladies, listening is not waiting for your turn to talk. I know. <laughs> I know, girl, I know. It'll make lunch actually look different. Have you ever done it? You, you say something really profound like normal, right? <laughs> and then they start talking and you do this. Ooh, I got something. You don't say that out loud, you just say it in your head, don't you? And then you go like this, hurry. And then you do this if you're like me. Ooh, I got something else. What was the first thing? <laughs> Try it. Do you want to know the most practical way to honor your parents? Yes, but anybody? Listen and learn how to love. That glorifies God. So first you, first you receive, then you overflow forgiveness, you overflow asking, and then lastly, you overflow honor by encouraging. I heard a long time ago that the word encourage means give courage. By the way, if we only encourage each other on how we look or the most recent Instagram post, then how do you think we're gonna find our courage? By how we look and what we post. Does that make sense? Encourage, I heard a story about a teacher. Any teachers in the room? Yeah, I love it. So I remember, I heard a story about a teacher who uh, went and felt called to a specific school and she goes, I want to, you know, I want to respect my students and I want to just, I want to do a great job. So she hands out all the math tests just to see where they're at. So she sends out all the tests and everyone's taking the test and then she gets them back and she gets out her red pen and she gets the first one and out of 100 questions, it was minus 54. You go, okay, okay. You know, so she goes to the next test. She's like, all right, this guy's, all right, this one's got it. <clears throat> minus 57, <gasps> minus, 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 minus. She gets to one test, true story. The kid got minus 97. And she goes, oh. And then she goes, she sits back and she goes, who decided? Who decided that what we do is we tell people how much they got wrong? So she, instead, she goes like this, plus three. <laughs> she's like yes 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 she hands back the tests half of them have negative signs half have positive and she sends them all back and at the end of the school hour the kid walks up the one with the negative plus three and he's like all right so i think we both know i'm not good at math i think we i think we both know this why would you ever write plus three and she didn't have a profound answer she's like because it's better than two you know 
And he's like, okay. <laughs> and of course the story goes on, plus three, plus 12, plus 45. Kid of course graduates high school, first in his family. Graduates college, becomes a Christian. Just kidding, I added that, but. <laughs> where did it start? She spoke courage. Do you wanna know where to start with your parents, especially if you're called to honor them and they've dishonored you? Do you wanna know where to start? And I hope this is a text from every single person to a parent. It will be a gift is, what's the plus three? Start there. Because inevitably you will begin to see things in them that they don't even see in themselves. And sometimes I just need people to look at me and go plus three, because honestly when I look in the mirror, sometimes I see negative 97, yes? So we need to be people that start with seeing in them what they don't see in themselves. And that is how we honor as a child. But luckily he goes on and he continues, uh, this time addressing parents and the parents in the room give me a shout out by going, woo, wow, so fathers. That was clearly all ladies. <laughs> Come on, men, just give me like a grunt or something. Oh, yeah, <laughs> okay. uh, fathers, do not exasperate your children. In other words, do not provoke your children to anger. Why is that important? Here's why. Because I believe anger more than any other emotion removes your ability to think logically or rationally or lovingly. Think about the worst thing maybe that's ever come out of your mouth. I bet you were angry. Some of you are like, yeah, I remember that moment. And I think the one thing the Lord's taught me specifically in my relationship with my mother. My mother has taught me grace in ways that no one else could. Because I remember on my worst moment in life, my worst moment in life, I walked out, looked up, and my mom had her arms out for a hug. And it was, to be honest, the first time I understood that. Because for a lifetime, I thought I deserved that. Until in my worst moment, my mom did this. And in my other worst moment, I can remember one phone conversation. I was so angry and it was so pointless because all she's wanted to do is love and serve and love and serve. And in one moment, I remember being angry and I hung up the phone and I went to the Lord, which doesn't always happen after the angry to the Lord, but it did. And that particular day, I believe I received a word of, are you more concerned with winning or loving? It's one or the other. And the thing about Jesus is in that relationship, you with your parent or you with your child, is Jesus is not concerned with taking sides. He's concerned with taking over the whole thing and going, I wanna use you. And he used my mother in that moment to show me grace. And I believe he might wanna use some people in this room to show your kids grace. You see, by the way, as I talk to you as a parent, I, I only have a two-year-old, so a lot of you have way more wisdom than I do. A lot of you are like, ha, <laughs> I know. But I do know this that God doesn't call me to change him. And some of you have been carrying that weight with your adult kids. God does not call you to change your kids. He calls you to love them and entrust him with the changing. See, your job is not to make them because you can't. I, in the same way, I can't make you love God more. I can't, but all we can do, whether it's at this church, is create an environment in which we come alongside what God's already up to in your life. And what that practically looks like is like my mom. When I walked out in that really embarrassing moment, my mom cultivated an environment of going, I know what grace looks like, it looks like this. You create an environment and let God do the rest. So maybe some of you just need to receive the word of, hey, 
God didn't call you to change them. You're loving them and entrust him. It's a different posture. So, but God does say, do not exasperate our children. We wanna try to cut it out of their lives. Why? Because I have a feeling there's actually grown people in this room who had their parents provoke them to anger and on your dark days, it still owns you. You see, anger is unbelievably devastating to the human soul. We have to be careful, but luckily, the verse doesn't stop there. So what are we called to do? How are we called to battle this? Well, he says, instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And for this part, I'm gonna have you guys turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter six. You see, Deuteronomy, like I said, Earlier, the Bible, the command that God gives to honor your father and mother, he gives actually in the book of Exodus, but again, he also reiterates it in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy gives a lot of what's called the law, the law, how to live, how to live like you're free, and he gives it in Deuteronomy chapter five. And then chapter six, he gives very specific ways very specific ways that we are called to love our children, how we are called to bring them up. And specifically, Deuteronomy chapter six, it starts with something called the Shema. So turn with me or keep your eyes on the screen or if not, good news, I can read. Deuteronomy chapter six reads this. Hear, O Israel, starting in verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Then he gets to parents. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands I give you today first are to be on your hearts. Why? Because I believe faith is often caught more than it's taught. So where do you begin if you're a parent that goes, yes, yes, I wanna love the Lord my God and I wanna build them up. I wanna build my kids up. Perfect. Love God. Love God. Sounds so simple. So challenging. And let them see that you love God. Talk about what you love about God. Anything that brings you delight, talk about its source of origin. Don't take the credit. First, love him yourself. And then secondly, he goes into parenting. Impress them upon your children. Impress what? Impress your love for God upon your children. You know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say impress happiness on your children. There was a huge study done with a majority of parents and 84% of parents when asked, what do you want most for your kids? 84% said, I want my kids to be happy. Is that a bad thing? No, watch. (laughs) So fun. So, but this commands something very different. Everyone wants their kids to be happy. Here's the problem. J.P. Moreland, a professor actually at Talbot, made a great statement. He said, the thing with happiness, happiness is an amazing byproduct, but it's a terrible goal. See, if it's a goal, if happiness is a goal, then you'll critique everyone and everything based on how happy they make you. Your job. Well, this doesn't make me happy. Maybe, it's, maybe you being in your jobs, that's not what it's about. <laughs> maybe it's about God's glory. Maybe it's about love for the Lord. In fact, a guy named Gary Chapman wrote a brilliant book about marriage. And here's what he said in the book. He said this, what if there wasn't a slide? And then it was crazy. And okay, what if God's primary intent for your marriage isn't to make you happy, but holy? 
I'm gonna work with Gary, my man, on this one to make it for parenting. What if God's primary intent for your parenting isn't to make you happy, but holy? What if God's primary intent for parenting isn't to make them happy, but holy? It'll change how you parent. So first, love the Lord your God yourself. Second, impress it upon your children. And then it gets specific. Talk about it when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. You see, meaningful conversations can happen with teenagers. But I promise you this, it happens more often in unplanned circumstances just along the road than when you sit down and go, let's have a Bible study. Not as practical. In fact, I was going to a conference. The conference was called D6, which stood for Deuteronomy chapter six. The whole point of the conference is a bunch of pastors who wanna study the topic of family ministry. See, that's a movement in church right now is that we need to start equipping families because as Deuteronomy says, the primary discipler of a child's faith is the parents. Good luck. But the whole conference exists to go, churches, come alongside the parents in this crazy task called parenting. It's hard. And so I get on the plane, I put in my earbuds, and I can't wait to go speak to a bunch of pastors on family ministry. And I'm getting my questions, and I'm typing, and I get to this moment. I I type this. Have you missed out on ministering to families in the midst of doing family ministry? I'm like, that's good. Oh, so good. And the guy next to me is like, excuse me, are you a Christian? I'm like, mm, he doesn't understand social cues. That's okay. Um, <laughs> and I took out my earbud and put it right there so he can understand this social cue. Okay, so I'm so sorry. Did you say something? He goes, are you like a Christian? I'm like, I am. Praise God, you know? Have you missed out on ministering to families in the midst of doing? And he starts talking about his daughter. My daughter serves at the church. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Clearly you see, we are all sinful, all sinful. (laughs) My daughter's the best. She's in the top 3% of her class. Wow, she's an incredible athlete, most valuable player. Now here's the deal. I've worked with young people enough, specifically young adults, and if you are one, I know this about you. If your parents only gave you courage on what you're good at or how you're the best, then you're gonna run to being the best to have courage. Men in the room, I have a exciting but maybe scary thing to tell you. Men, your words are insanely powerful, specifically to girls. You need to know this. Proverbs says there's no neutral words. Either you're bringing people closer to life, aka Jesus, or you're bringing them closer to death and decay. Just men, just know that God gave you that power. And so basically, finally, I read my own screen. Are you missing out on ministering to people in the midst of doing ministry? I'm like, come on. I close the thing and I look at the guy within 15 minutes. We're awkwardly side, side hugging. And he's like, I can't wait. And we talked through, we talked through parenting, specifically through Ephesians to remind your daughter who she is. Parents, one of the most harmful things you could say to a kid is, I don't even know who you are. Neither do they. They need you to remind them who they are. By the way, while you're at home walking along the road, are you interruptible? My friends, if you are so consumed with your agenda, you will completely miss out on his Are you interruptible for the glory of the Lord? Talk about it when you sit at home, when you walk along the road. Lastly, it says, when you lie down and when you get up. By the way, 
ladies, <laughs> if you only get up and get ready physically, don't be surprised if that's where you find your confidence throughout the day. But when you lay down, this is one that's very practical to me because a woman that's discipled me for years gave me wisdom on how to honor God as a parent, specifically when I lay my son down to sleep. And I started practicing this and I've done it every day since he's been alive and it's this, to bless him. And this is how we're gonna end today is actually by learning how to bless. You see, uh, prayer is directed at God. Blessing can be directed at God. We can bless the Lord, but we can also bless each other with our words. And a very wise woman came to me, older woman, and said, you need to bless your son. I said, okay, I was like, what's a blessing? And she goes, it's kind of interesting, you're gonna call someone up, and, or I'm gonna call someone up, uh, right there on the end, come on up, I don't know you. What's your name? Desi, perfect, my girl. Okay, so Desi, here's what a blessing is. And she showed me like this on me, so she said the first thing you do is you put your hand on a shoulder. Do you mind? Yeah, perfect, because you're already here, so sucka. Okay. Hey, <laughs> There's Desi. <laughs> Everyone's waving. So what it looks like is first you put a hand on the shoulder and then you look them in the eyes. By the way, that's hard. And I must do a quick, <laughs> I must do a quick little tutorial. There's two types of eye contact. One is like the serious I can see inside your soul. We're not gonna do that one. We're gonna do the second type of eye contact that's soft and eye care. But Desi, would you just receive this blessing? It's simply the name and then may you know and then fill in the blank. By the way, I usually wait a bit for what the Lord might have for Desi. So Desi if you'd receive this. By the way, receiving it's the hardest part, I think. Desi, may you know that your heavenly father loves you. Yes, I know that dearly. And may you receive that truth today and walk generous with your love. So heavenly father, I pray over Desi, and we all do. Thank you that she knows it so confidently, but I pray for her to live out of it. And I thank you for the moments that she has. Forgive her for the moments that she hasn't. But right now, inspire her and fill her to the measure of all the fullness of you. We love you. We praise you for Desi. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So I remember I, I started teaching this to other moms. And every time I lay my little two-year-old down, I put my little two fingers on his little shoulders. And I'm like, Foster. And he's like, go, go. I'm like, that's fine. It's fine. <laughs> May you know. And then I wait. Parents, your words are insanely powerful. I told this to a group of women at a conference. I'm like, bless your kids. And a woman came back the next year. She's like, so you told us to bless our kids. So I thought of every scripture I knew. And then I sent a text to my, you know, 21-year-old son. So she's like, Jason, may you know. And you know what he wrote back? I'm like, no. He's like, she goes, are you on drugs? <laughs> okay, so if you have a 21-year-old son who for 21 years, that's not normal, he might respond in a foreign way. <laughs> Just a warning. But I also heard another story a year later from a different woman who had a stepson, and she's like, it's hard because he doesn't call me mom. And she told me the story. She goes, Matthew, she goes, I started, I heard about the blessing, and I felt the charge. I'm gonna bless people. And if you're not a parent yet, start blessing your friends. Create a habit so when you potentially have kids, this will be normal. So she said, I remember I stood, I stood outside of his door, and I'm like, Matthew, <laughs> may you know that, you're, that God loves you. <laughs> she like ran away. And then the next night, she's like, Matthew, <laughs> uh, may you know that you know, God's real. He's like, I know, okay, making sure. <laughs> three months later, three months later, she said, I, I walked in the door, lights off, <laughs> for three months. And then she said, I committed at six months to turn the lights off. At nine months, it was the first time I was by his bed, I put my arm on him, and it was the first time that he didn't flinch. 
And it was a few months later that she said she was preparing something for the next morning and she heard this, mom, which you can imagine what that would mean to her. You forgot to bless me. <laughs> She's like, I'm coming, I'm coming. My friends, maybe this is an invitation to you. Men in the room, I hope that this entire message is an invitation for you to use your words with power, whether you're a parent or not. But let me give you the wisdom of Ephesians. First, receive from the Father. Then, overflow to your thirsty family. So here's what we're gonna do. I know it's gonna be kind of crazy, but you can always look back and go, that one crazy person who made us do that crazy thing, it's fine. We're gonna bless each other. Is that weird and uncomfortable? Probably. Is eye contact weird? Yeah, we're not used to it. Also, you right now might be thinking, who's gonna come up to me? Hey, let me remind you who you are. You are accepted before someone approaches you. You are beloved perfectly by a perfect father. And if no one comes up to you, then receive it from above, because that's, I promise, more perfect than theirs will be. And here's the harder part. Number one, walk up to someone and use your words. Say their name, look in their eyes and say, may you know, or may you believe, or may you live into, I have no idea. The harder part though, I think, is the receiving. And imagine if God the Father could speak a word to you through them, what would he say? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.